So that's a big bunch of nulls over there. I'm fairly certain. I've narrowed it down. This one is my dad. Really? I started talking to him, and he's been responding really well, and I'm fairly certain this one's him. Nah, I thought yours was yellow. Damn it. He was. All right. Uh, what about this one? Now that's something for like a lime green. How about this one? That one's a stapler. This one? That's a paperclip. Damn it. I thought I had it that time. Warning. Incoming game. Warning. Incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 2001 animated series reboot. I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, it's all about the daddy issues. In season four, <laughs> episode three, what's love got to do with it? How was your week, Jess? It was full of cookies. Cookies. I baked the cookies. I ate the cookies. I used cookies to bribe judges at work. It was a failure. I was very sad. Oh, no. (laughs) We spent at least two weeks decorating our office area at work for a holiday contest, and we came in second. Second. The cookies failed you. Robbed, I tell you. What kind of cookies were they? I made snickerdoodles and chocolate chip, and they were both absolutely delicious. So those judges, Hmm. something's wrong with them. Shake my fist. <laughs> what about you, Ben? How was your week? Uh, it's been okay. It's been pretty busy just finishing up the whole like Christmas preparations and all that. But uh, I'm feeling a little punchy tonight because I just finished off some chicken pot pie and a Sam Adams winter lager. So. That chicken pot pie, that'll do it to you. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Marie Callender's Chicken Pot Pie and Samuel Adams winter lager. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've definitely gotten those guys at sponsors. Just, you believe it. <laughs> We're rolling in the, in the Sam Adams money now. I didn't say they gave us money. They just gave us uh, <laughs> the inspiration. <laughs> All right, you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do this. Today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 3, What's Love Got to Do With It? First aired on October 26th, 2001, and it's written by Gavin Blair, Ian Pearson, and Ian Weir. And it's baby Bob. I do not like this Bob face at all. <laughs> this is the one I think I saw earlier, like a screen cap of. Like, <laughs> just what happened to his face and hair? I hate it. <laughs> I like how they made the hair even more 90s boy band. Yeah. So he has regressed back into the 90s <laughs> with his 90s boy band hair. Either way, it's hashtag not my Bob. <laughs> <laughs> He's here on virus deletion duty with an orange and pink guardian, uh, and they're deleting a ugly <laughs> virus named Kilobyte. He's got like a crazy Joker face. He's got a really weird Joker face. I'm not a big fan of the design here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, Bob isn't completely sold on its inherently evil nature, and he wants to give it the benefit of the doubt. But his orange lady friend, however, is all on board for team Let's Destroy This Virus. Hey, Kilobyte, ready for oblivion? Do you have to be so callous? He starts talking about his conspiracy theory college papers and how his <laughs> mentor at school called him radical and he took it as a compliment. Uh, he wrote a whole thesis on the user for his doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also talked to Turbo about his theories on reprogramming viruses for good. 
the virus who's listening to all this is not a fan of this coffee shop AU and gets bored, <laughs> starts to break free. Yeah, and he starts to begin an upgrade. He breaks free of his restraints and slams Bob against the wall. And uh, this orange lady, did we get her name? Not yet. We hear a bit later. Okay. Well, she does a kickflip off of the wall and puts a chokehold on Kilobyte and fires a beam through his head. I was very impressed with her cool under pressure, like categorizing what's happening, followed by a Superman style lobotomy, even if it did fail. It is ineffective. Uh, so Kilobyte claws and drains her while Bob is still knocked out. He's about to do the same to Bob when a portal opens, sucking him in, but not before he transforms into a more familiar face of Gigabyte. <laughs> Yeah, so like, what is happening? Did Gigabyte travel through time? I have so many questions. <laughs> I think this is the upgrade because they said he's skipping a a level or something. That's what Orange said. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was going from Kilobyte to Gigabyte, but also a portal was opening at the same time. It was a lot <laughs> happening. Gigabyte is just quantum leaping into uh, this other soul. <laughs> Al, where am I now? <laughs> So Matrix is in the present, and he is taking out his frustrations on a wrestling game. And Andrea, although still under Damon's spell, is having a bum-out sesh. I had a hard time telling whether or not Matrix half-naked jumping up and down and beating the crap out of someone was a game or just his Friday night. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, poor Andy's looking more and more morose over in the supercomputer as Damon decides that she wants to be new best friends and wants to dish about her love life. What am love? (laughs) Tell me of this love you speak of. (laughs) So Mouse has thrown Turbo into a cell, a Turbo cell, but he isn't bothered. I hate the way he keeps smiling at us. He's still high on the word and he's like, oh yeah, Mouse, saw your ex the other day. He's got a new chick now. Name's Damon. You heard of her? (laughs) Yeah, Ray is sitting on the other side of the firewall waiting for Mouse to put down her walls. Her actual walls, not her emotional walls. Probably those two, though. Bob and Dot show up, and Mouse and Dot have a little spat about losing their friends to a super virus. And Turbo's like, hey, Bob, I heard you got freaky with your key tool, you crazy motherfucker. <laughs> By the way, remember those college essays you wrote? I totally don't think they're <laughs> radical anymore. I think they're real, real, if you know what I mean, which yeah. should have been Bob's first clue, you know. There are good viruses. In fact, let me guess, is one of them named Daemon? Dot tries to confirm that they've seized Turbo's key tool, Copeland, uh, but the guard says there was no key tool, not even up his butt. He's like, like what's a Copeland? <laughs> the face that Dot gives when, <laughs> when the guard is like, oh, Mouse was very thorough. Very thorough. She definitely got the anus. Don't worry. Her face is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So Dot gives the order, and Bob blasts Turbo with an energy beam that doesn't quite cure him, but at least brings him back to a state of coherence where he can still fight the infection, which is pretty much how we saw him in the Western episode. So he's not great, but still in charge of his faculties. He's no longer given the creepy smile, thanks to Bob's Care Bear stare. (laughs) Yes. We learn from a newly semi-cured Turbo that Damon's function is unity. Unity? First time I've heard it called that. Total control of the entire net. The key tools all fled the infected guardians, and Bob is the only one who can make portals into the systems that are offline or blocked by firewalls. So we get a glimpse of some of Damon's goons trying to hack into Mouse's firewall, but they aren't having any luck. And uh, Matrix finishes his beat-off session, but is still just as tense as before. (laughs) 
Dot is conversing with Fong about Hex's new look. She's apparently full sprite now, not viral at all. There's a bunch of MacGuffin nonsense that goes with that, but that's the general gist. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the user ran a virus scan, and she tried to protect herself with the nulls, but they fled when the game came down, so now she's just a powerless, regular old sprite. Or is she? She still seems to be pretty good at charming nulls. And this gives Dot an idea. Unfortunately, everyone else in Mainframe wants her attention right then and there, <laughs> so she blows them all off and drags Hex out for a road trip. She has time for none of them. Dot, we've got an idea. Not now, Mouse. We have to talk. Later. <laughs> the Matrix, Cecil, and Nerdy Bynum all pop up at the same time. <laughs> screw you, screw you, screw you. Come on, it's dad time. <laughs> and Fong, once he's alone with Bob, tells him to take his pants off. Oh, yeah. I thought I'd started reading fanfic for a moment there, but no, it was actually in the show. <laughs> it's time to get a physical, physical. It's time to get a physical. Let me see your body, Bob. Your body, Bob. Let me see your body, Bob. <laughs> and you said you had nothing for the opening. <laughs> I was saving it for 10 minutes in. <laughs> Back in the supercomputer, Damon and Andrea are still having a sleepover and dishing about boys when Jafar bursts in and ruins it. He informs Damon that uh, he's been a big, bad failure, and Damon repays that failure by making him kill himself. Oh my god, this ritual suicide. He starts chanting in binary until he vaporizes into just like this glowing green nervous system, which uh, Damon absorbs his leftover energy and then continues girl talk. <laughs> Tell me more about the crush you have. <laughs> I like it, though, when, when he first comes in, though, Damon's just like, Deacon, do you love me? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Just, you know, not love, love, but... I'd, I mean, I'd swipe right, but, like, not, like... <laughs> if, like, a FMK situation, you know? <laughs> Back in mainframe, Dot's loudly proclaiming that she doesn't like, like, Bob, which Hex is taking <laughs> at face value for some reason. She's like, not, like, friends with benefits, though? You, you don't mind if I... <laughs> She drives Hex over to a pile of nulls and is trying to make her control them into talking to her. She doesn't want to give up on her dad, and Hex can't relate because her father was a giant explosion. An explosion doesn't usually display the best parenting skills. Mm. After some back and forth, she reveals that she was created in the explosion that destroyed Mainframe's sister city, which also created Lost Angles. And a flashback shows us exactly what went down. Wendell, who was Dot's dad, Wellman. has found a system through the Stargate, and as he connects to it, Gigabyte starts to come through. But no sooner has his presence been made known when the spinning Stargate splits gigs into Megabyte and Hexadecimal, which also causes the aforementioned explosion. His name is Wellman. Wendell. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Back in the present. <laughs> Hex, now realizing that her giant explosion dad and Dot's green dad are the same, gives the whole null thing another shot. You know, for her sister. They managed to render a Wendell-like entity out of the surrounding nulls. And Still well like <laughs> he's, he's just an unsettling mass of slugs. I'm going to stick with it now. <laughs> so meanwhile, Fong lets Enzo out of detention, and Bob comes in for his test results, which he already knows. Uh, we do get a quick moment here with a Rorschach test where Bob sees Dot's 80s hair. Mm, oh, that's easy. It's uh, it's Dot with that haircut she used to have uh, when we first met, and she's smiling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I already knew I was dying, pretty much, is the gist of it. Glitch was damaged, so merging with it didn't really work fully, and so continuing to use his god powers will ultimately prove fatal. 
There's really nothing we can do about it except not tell Dot under any circumstances. But just then, they're back online. And Mouse and Matrix head through the firewall to deal with the problem. I guess that's what happens when you ignore them. (laughs) (laughs) They just go out to fix things. They just do it. They're cruising towards the Guardians, closing the firewall behind them. And of course, in the meeting room, Turbo warns that if Mouse gets infected, she will willingly give up those access codes. Like, no hesitation. They do believe these two have a chance of pulling it off. I mean, Matrix will definitely go for the kill. No problem. He loves killing. Have you seen this guy kill? (laughs) He really likes to kill. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, Dot goes into command center mode. and She wants Wendell to make the Stargate again, Turbo to debrief them on everything he knows about Damon, and Bob to figure out his impotence problem. Take some Guardian Viagra if you have to. Where was this Dot at the end of last episode? (laughs) This is the one we needed. (laughs) At the cathedral, Matrix aims his gun right at Andrea's head, which is, I suppose, payback for the pitchfork incident last season. I'm just surprised they got into Damon's lair and they didn't figure out that something was wrong. (laughs) You literally just made it into the heart of the evil lair with no problem. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) Andrea runs up and embraces him and just has to introduce him to her new BFF. Welcome home, lover. And when Damon reveals herself, he has a bullet with her name on it. Literally. However, Damon has seen the Matrix before. (laughs) And manages to stop the bullet with her mind powers. She plucks it out of the air, and as it blows up right in her face, she just shrugs it off and floats down to him. And suddenly, out of the shadows, Mouse leaps in for the kill with her sword. But it just breaks into pieces. Damon touches down and infects the two of them from a distance, and it's all over now. This chick is super OP. Way OP. Matrix, in this scene, he's given me some serious Amos Burton vibes from The Expanse show. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> so Damon does her whole The Floor is Lava routine again, and infects Mouse and Matrix with her love juice, as she compliments Mouse on her brilliant encryptions. Bob's having a discussion about moral philosophy with Turbo. <laughs> There's a chance to reprogram Damon. Can we really kill her? But if trying to reprogram her costs the lives of everyone in the net, is it worth it? Hmm, maybe we should watch The Good Place for a little bit and figure it out. <laughs> Bob wants answers, but he's not liking the ones he's getting. And it's revealed that Mainframe was an experiment all along, an experiment that failed. And Bob was in on it from the get-go. Face it. Mainframe was an experiment that didn't work. Didn't work? Have you seen Hexadecimal? She's cured. And Megabyte? I kept him contained. In time, I could have reprogrammed him. I still believe he could have been turned. We flash back to Baby Bob watching his mentor die and Glitch joining with him. With her dying breath, she tells him, Change your dumb haircut. (laughs) (laughs) And we see that Glitch was actually her key tool. Glitch seems to take some of her code with it, them, <laughs> yeah, whatever Glitch's pronoun is, um, before going to Bob. So I'm wondering if this is kind of like a, you know, the the key tool is the culmination of all of these different guardians that it's had before. Yeah. Like it takes a little bit of each guardian as it goes along. Bob is ready for justice against Kilobyte. Bob uses Glitch to track Kilobyte and lands in mainframe with a morning Matrix family. (laughs) Cadet Bob derps through a portal. Dot blames the alien, who has just appeared with no warning, for her dad's death. But Bob's just like, I came here to help. I'm a cadet. I mean, I'm a guardian. I come from the net. And he kind of like claims he's a guardian. So is he not yet? Has this been a lie the whole time? (laughs) Was Guardian 452 his dead partner? Well, he starts to say cadet, but since he now has a key tool, I think he's officially a guardian, is the deal. That's all it takes. Yeah. (laughs) 
The rest of the Guardians pop into mainframe, so not one, but like five aliens all show up at once right after her dad dies. And uh, back in the present, Turbo thinks that maybe Damon has a point. Like, maybe there are too many voices on the net. I mean, what with all the Russian trolls and the Nazis? I mean, maybe not everybody needs a voice. Oh man, now you're trying to make me think I agree with her. (laughs) Turbo is once again succumbing to Damon's control. Bob gazes in wonder slash horror to the end credits as it's becoming a theme now. (laughs) He's like, well, Dot did this. Maybe I should do this and finish this. (laughs) Can they defeat her? Is this the end for Mainframe? And the net? Why couldn't he cure him? Find out next time on... Reboot! Alright, so what did you think of this one, Ben? Other than young Bob's dumb face, which I hated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It was an interesting one. Like, It's kind of hard to judge on its own, because it, it definitely wasn't as funny as the previous ones, and it had a lot of plot threads that it was trying to throw at you. But it was like it was definitely like carried by the momentum of the previous ones, but it was still compelling if only because like I have no idea how it's all going to wrap up in one episode. Yeah, I'm really confused as to how it wraps up in one episode too. At this point, I feel like this should be an 8 episode thing. Right. Like this should be an overarching plot this Damon stuff. <laughs> uh <laughs> not a four episode arc. But I mean it's still really good. It's just I I do think I agree with you. There's a lot of stuff happening in this episode and in different places. Mm-hmm. So you're hopping constantly from one character to another to another and trying to get into their arc real quick before someone else's. I mean, it was still an interesting watch, even if it didn't like blow me away like the other two. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Uh, I do agree there was also a little bit less humor. Uh, they did throw some in there, mostly with the hex dot interactions. Yeah. And then you did see a couple of little Enzo going crazy in the background stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, he's been relegated to background character, which, you know, has me feeling a little sad for him because he, little Enzo wasn't, you know, a background character. He was a, he liked to be involved. He had ideas. He had initiative. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why they put him in the background because there's a lot of stuff happening, but it is a little sad to see him just, you know, relegated to Mike the TV role. <laughs> and now he has Matrix Envy on top of it. Which, you know, even makes it more fun. <laughs> What do you think about Bob's moral quandaries? Well, he keeps talking about how he can't go against his code. So it's almost like he doesn't really even have the option, you know? Yeah, I guess it depends on whether or not that code that he's talking about is like a metaphorical code. Like, this is who I am. I can't go against my set of morals that I've defined for myself. Or if he literally means he cannot do anything outside of his code. Yeah, I was interpreting it as like his programming more more than a moral code so it's like even turbo is like trying to convince him so i guess that is malleable but like he's just like firm because even earlier like when they were talking about the mainframe experiments which i'm not sure what that all was 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 the mainframe experiment to introduce the virus and see what happens no the mainframe experiment was him not killing megabyte right off letting bob be there and and you know try and i guess win megabyte over Right, because he talked about, he, th- he thought that he could have turned him, you know, if given enough time. Which, no, Bob, you could not have done that. <laughs> well, he could have, but it would have come at a, a steep price. <laughs> uh, I do think it's interesting, though, because he also mentions, you know, reprogramming viruses. Right. And I think there's moral implications in that, too. Like, what is what is more moral? Killing someone or completely destroying who they are in favor of something else? Because this isn't like... 
this isn't like re- rehabilitation. This isn't, you know, you go to jail and you, you learn the your lesson and you come out a better member of society. This is literally reprogramming someone. Re- rewriting them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, you know, is that better or worse? I, are they both still killing someone? Which that kind of goes back to the Hex thing, though, because, I mean, she's essentially reprogrammed. Is she the same character? You know, like, she she's no longer a virus. She doesn't have the powers, but she doesn't even seem to be, like, anarchistic anymore i mean she still seems odd in a very hex way but yes not in a not in the way she used to be she used to want to see the world burn and she doesn't want to do that anymore this is like hex's um younger cousin (laughs) she's like she's just come back from college and like you know (laughs) has a lot of a lot of ideas but doesn't quite know what to do with them yet (laughs) doesn't have all of her skills (laughs) i think that there'd be some interesting moral things to discuss here and if they had all eight episodes to do it in Mm -hmm. i think they probably would have touched on that more because they seem to want to they seem to be bringing up that conversation they just don't have a lot of time to actually delve into it right pixelacious all right so each week jessica breaks out some trivia and is today any different it is not (laughs) uh we will start with the title of the episode uh which is what's love got to do with it Obviously, we've got some thematic things here in the episode about love and what is love and what does it have to do with all this stuff that's happening. Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) Uh, But it is Tina Turner's single uh, from her debut album, Private Dancer, back in 1984. Uh, The character of Dixon, Dixon Green, is a reference to Dixon of Doc Green, a BBC series back in the 1950s the 1970s now dixon is bob's partner we should mention i don't think we actually brought that up (laughs) which is funny that she is dixon green as she is orange and pink yeah (laughs) but her dixon green (laughs) oh we actually got a familiar voice in this episode i don't know if you noticed but the voice actor for young bob is michael benier the original (gasps) voice actor from bob our boy our original bob is back (laughs) Why would they bring him back if they already had a new Bob? Uh, I have no idea. I'm sure they originally didn't bring him back because of scheduling conflicts. Obviously, they would want him back. Mm-hmm. So this is probably just a way to, you know, to write him in. So I'm <laughs> sure they, they really liked Michael. Just, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I guess his time in the net, like, made his, his voice change, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense the way they've done it, so. Yeah. It's kind of a nice little throwback. Dixon, when uh, the virus starts escaping or evolving, <laughs> says that they have a 403 in progress. This is season four, episode three, the episode's production number. I was trying to think of like a web, like error, 403 error. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a it's usually 404. No, that's yeah, when the website's not found. A 403 is something else, though. It's a request blocked, it looks like. I'm sorry, 403 is forbidden. You're forbidden. <laughs> We do get uh, Matrix pulling a Rocky here as he yells at Andrea instead of Adrian. (laughs) When our lovely Jafar uh, pulls a suicide move, he is using binary to count down five, four, three, two, one before Uh, disappearing into a cloud of green dust. I wondered what that was. I figured it was code for something. I didn't realize it was a countdown. And then finally, we have the return of Gigabyte. Um, Gigabyte first appeared in season two, episode eight, Gigabyte, <laughs> in which he also says his catchphrase, I am become Gigabyte, destroyer of systems. I thought that was interesting because you see when Hex and Megabyte merged, they became Gigabyte. But it was interesting to see that that was their original form 
was Gigabyte, and then they split off. Which had me kind of wondering, too, if there's some other kind of code in there um, that made Hex, because if Kilobyte was skipping a generation, I feel like his next generation would have been Megabyte, Ooh, not Hex. That's a good call. Now I'm wondering about Terabyte. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we didn't get there yet. This is still 2001. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. Kilobyte would go to Megabyte first, but he skipped that. So yeah, so where did Hex come from? Yeah, so I'm thinking Hex might be a little bit of extra code maybe with the gateway, hmm. which makes Wellman even more her father. So the whole bit with the flashback, what was that implying? Was it implying that Gigabyte came from the other system? Because he showed up beforehand to kill Dixon. So what happened in that whole scene? What I got from it was over on the supercomputer, they're going through their normal routine of deleting a virus. It escapes. It's evolving into Gigabyte. Yeah. Over in mainframe, Wellman's just like, let me test out my cool little portal machine that I've made. Boop, boop. And happens to open up a portal right behind the giant virus that just happens to be evolving in the middle of the supercomputer. But it sounded like he had accessed another system. Like he was trying to communicate with another system. Yeah, he was communicating with a supercomputer. Oh, because that's where that's where Bob and them were. Okay. Exactly. All right. I'm like, I was confused on the geography, I guess. I, I figured <laughs> that they were still in mainframe, which doesn't make sense. Nope, yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, this was before mainframe was on the net, so. Okay. Question answered. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of coincidence happening because he could have sent that gateway command to pretty much any system, any place in that system at any time. And it just happens to be when a giant virus is trying to kill people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, we don't have a game this week, do we? We do have a game. Oh, do we? Is it punch out? Mike Tyson's punch out? (laughs) No, I didn't do punch out. It looked more like a wrestling game to me than a boxing game, despite the moves that he was using. Um, He was punching. (laughs) He was punching a lot. Um, So I picked up a couple wrestling games. Uh, The first one I did was the WWF WrestleMania, which was, I believe, the first WWF arcade game. It was originally an actual arcade game, like you would go to an arcade to play this. Um, That was back in 1995. It did come out then later for PlayStation and Sega Saturn and then also MS-DOS. So, you know, MS-DOS is fun. Yeah, it's in DOS games. (laughs) You have commentary in the game provided by Vince McMahon, (laughs) who also appears in the game. Uh, and, And it was very much in the vein of the current fighting games like Mortal Kombat where you had people come in from either side and then you did the wrestling moves and then whoever wins, wins. <laughs> I like it when whoever loses wins. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next game I have is called Pro Wrestling. It was for the Super... Or, sorry, not the Super NES, just the NES back in uh, 1986. You get to choose wrestlers with different unique skills or different combo moves. Um, you could get thrown out of the ring and you had to try and get back in the ring before the ref's count of 20 or else you would lose. All in all, uh, pretty basic wrestling game, but not nearly the flair that uh, later WWF games would have. <laughs> uh, and the last game I found was Rocky. It is not a wrestling game. However, we did see Matrix do a big Rocky reference here. Uh, so I looked to see if Rocky actually had a video game, which it does. Uh, it was developed by Steel Monkeys, released in 2002. The player controls Rocky Balboa, 
and they fight all the different characters they fight through the movies, including Apollo Creed and Spider Rico. Uh, it was for the PS2 and the Xbox, and there was even a sequel to it called Rocky Legends. Right. So uh, would you play these games? No. i really enjoy fighting games but i don't really have an interest in wrestling games yeah i was never a big wrestling fan to begin with yeah me neither i could see it being a game that i played like at a friend's house maybe yeah not not one that i would own um i do know i don't know if you were involved with this ben but i do know there was a wrestling game while you guys were in college and uh you could create your characters and there was the whole group of my husband and other people that you're friends with made themselves as characters and then just watched themselves wrestle each other. <laughs> no, I didn't know about <laughs> this. You could set it on some kind of like tournament thing and just like create these characters and just make them go. Yeah. <laughs> they might have, they might have created versions of you. Apparently they created versions of everyone, not necessarily people who were there. So, oh, man. and then tried to see who would win. Oh, God, if Rob or Luke or anyone has, like, screen caps or clips, I want to see it. <laughs> if anyone does, it's probably Terry, but yeah, we'll have yeah, to see Terry. if there's stuff. He's not listening. No, he's not. <laughs> this is wrong. This is all wrong. Well, in the course of watching this episode, did you find yourself a giga-frosty moment? <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed that Bob is a conspiracy theorist. That was pretty fun. <laughs> but I think my frosty moments have to be the uh, dot hex interactions. There's a great moment when she's in the doctor's Fong's office uh, with her. <laughs> hex says something and dot just gets this like, ugh, like eye roll going on. It's when she just says hello to Bob. She's like, oh, hi, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're in the car later. The whole thing was just great watching them. And then to cap it off, we have... Hex calling her sister at the end and kind of meaning it. <laughs> so, yeah, that got me. Their whole interaction, I think, wins Frosty Moment for this week. Yeah, that's another thing about that. So she she considers him her sister. Because we talked about Megabyte calling uh, Wellman father. But, like, so he split Gigabyte into Hex and Megabyte. But it's not like Gigabyte or them were, like, created by Wellman. Just that he split their personality, I guess. As much of a father as they could be, I suppose. (laughs) More of a father than an explosion. (laughs) I mean, the explosion wasn't a bad father. He was just, you know, pretty absent after that first initial. (laughs) Went out with a bang. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Ben? Have you found yourself a frosty moment? Yeah, so my, my frosty moment is the uh, the look on Dot's face when she's informed of Mouse's thorough search of Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I mean thorough. But my runner-up is in the same scene. There's a prisoner that's being chased by a binome guard, and he had a big butt crack hanging out. And I want to know all about oh, that guy. Oh, yes, there was. I need to know his whole story. What he Was, was that Al? Maybe that was Al. <laughs> They're like in the middle of this system-wide threat that they've used these firewalls to keep themselves from being destroyed by a virus that wants to take over the net. But the local police are still picking up like drunks off the street and throwing them <laughs> in the same jail. Now I'm wondering, maybe I should switch it. Maybe that should be my frosty one. <laughs> <laughs> is just for the butt crack. Just for the butt crack. <laughs> that was a pretty great moment. So what do we have in our feedback this week? All right. So Ben, remember to put out a tweet and a Facebook post (laughs) 
to see if anyone had any questions or comments on what's love got to do with it. Cameron O'Hara on Twitter says that they love the theme of love in this episode. Hex trying to horn in on Bob this season, not to mention her scare quotes, sisterly love for Dot. The conversation between Andy and Damon about love too, and Andy's lol, you just killed that guy. I love you, Damon. Face. <laughs> Kimura <laughs> at Wacko Magoose says that this is an entire origin story shoved into an overflowing pile of plot threats. And considering all the chaos, are we sure that Hex didn't write this one? <laughs> No, if if Hex had written this one, there would have been a lot more Bob butt. <laughs> Let's be honest. In fact, instead of just that one crack. <laughs> so Nolan Hayes has a theory about what Lost Angles is. He thinks that the Twin City and Mainframe were linked network computers with a shared drive being Lost Angles. So when the Twin City blew up, the shared drive still existed, but the data didn't. Hence the teleporting and randomness. Which makes sense. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Lost Angles is the twin city of Mainframe. Yeah. Uh, the way that the bridge goes, and that's where, when you look over, it's it's the same place that you saw the twin city when you overlook it, and they're both there. But I do like the idea that there are two computers on a network, like an internal network, or even just, like you said, like a shared drive or something. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of works, too. Like, you've got your external hard drive, and then your actual hard drive, and then the external hard drive blew up. <laughs> so, you didn't, you know, replace the whole computer, because, you know, you don't need the external hard drive, but you still got that bits of data, maybe. Yeah. Steph Naylor says that it's time for Death of a Guardian. It was very unsettling how Damon could infect anyone with ease. Which, yeah, it's just like, all it takes is her, like, stepping on the floor near you, and then you're just done. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty great moment to really show off Damon's powers. The fact that she could stop the bullet, the fact that she could break Mouse's katana with her neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just so OP. <laughs> and the fact she didn't have to, she didn't have to go near them. She just had to touch the floor, and they were gone. Yeah. Uh, that whole thing, they never stood a chance, those two. I feel bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I guess Mouse had deeper feelings for Ray than I originally thought. <laughs> I assumed she was just like, oh, yeah, Ray, he's hot. We could do this. <laughs> but then he ghosted, and so she had unresolved emotions. Yeah, she probably doesn't like people ghosting her. It's just so, like, there's no, a lack of closure, you know? <laughs> I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. All right, so... uh before we go, is there anything you want to recommend to our lovely listeners this week? Yeah, so I'm going to be back on my D&D bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to recommend someone named Scraticus. He runs a bunch of D&D sessions on Twitch, which you can check out at twitch.tv slash Scraticus. That's S-C-R-A-T-T-I-C-U-S. Um, and you can follow him at Scraticus underscore on Twitter. Uh, he invites people to join games all the time uh, on his Discord, on Twitter. So he especially likes uh, to invite new players. Um, he's very inclusive uh, and really pays attention to what players are comfortable with. And it's also super fun to play with them. Um, I've got gotten to play a few times on his channel. Uh, they've always been great experiences. Uh, I highly recommend either checking them out to watch or uh, even participating. Cool. Sounds like fun. What about you, Ben? Do you have anything to recommend? Yeah, I'll recommend... Uh, it's a webcomic called Womp. It's W-H-O-M-P! Exclamation point. <laughs> you just go to wompcomic.com. And it's about a rotund, bearded man named Ronnie. And his roommate, <laughs> Agrius? Agrius? I don't know how you pronounce that. 
but uh, it's, it's just very funny, a little weird, surreal. Like it's it's half slice of life, but like just half surreal weirdness. A lot a lot of it's very relatable and just very strange and very funny, and I like it a lot. It's by Ronnie Filia, and uh, that's WompComic.com. Nice. As usual, you can always join us at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, and IncomingGameCast.com. You can find me at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S. You can find me at Stirvina Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. Nope, that's still not your dad. But look, it's yellow. No, that's just the reboot PlayStation game. Come on. Ah, fine. I'll keep looking. He's got to be around here somewhere. All right, stay frosty, everybody. That's a banana. Game over. The user wins.